Now here's a highlight from Coast to Coast AM on iHeartRadio. And welcome back. Bill Bean, the spiritual warrior with us as we talk about his work, Stranger Than Fiction, the connection as well. So, Bill, you're holding down this person who's uh, possessed. You're trying to exercise her. She's hissing at you. She's probably punching and screaming. What do you do? Yeah, and at that point, she was also trying to bite me. She was spitting on me, uh, trying to bite me. Uh, George, you would have had to have, in order to truly understand what I'm saying, you would have had to have seen it for yourself. Um, and I've also seen in in different uh, cases of possession, sometimes a person's eyes will go all white, sometimes they'll go all black. And in this lady's case, um, they went all red. Her eyes were red, and even... Um, around the the eyes, it was like a pinkish red. It, it, again, you would have to truly see it to believe it. And even then, you'd just rub your eyes and say, am I really seeing this? And so this was a titanic struggle, which lasted for quite a while on the floor. And I knew, I, you know, as I entered in and saw the state that she was in, I knew this was going to be, you know, one of the most serious cases that I've ever been involved in, and it surely was. And so it was a titanic struggle on the floor um, for, I'll say, at least 20, 25 minutes. That's a long time. That is a long time. Physically struggling. Scratching, screaming, everything like that? Everything. So I am trying to physically restrain this uh, woman to keep her from, you know, biting me or whatever she was trying to do. She tried to do many things. And all the while, you know, performing this exorcism over her. So it was, uh, let's just say it was the most challenging case to date. And um, it finally culminated to where I feel that the the power of God working through me were those demons that were inside of her down. But I knew it wasn't over. And so uh, it was round one, and things became very calm. I helped her to her feet. And my plan was to get her to her feet and get her into the uh, master bathroom where there was a uh, a large shower and then a very large soaker tub that I was going to continue the exorcism followed by baptism. And so I get her up. She is crying. You know, she's an emotional wreck. She's back. I was going to say, is she herself at this point? Yeah, she's back at that point. But when people are under demonic possession, they are not there. It's like they're unplugged, and that demonic force plugs in. So the affected person has no idea what they have done or or what they've said or anything else. But she was very distressed. She knew that she was in, you know, quite a situation, I'm sure, without knowing the specifics of what had just taken place. So I'm getting her into the bathroom, and the closer that I get her to the shower area, it starts all over again. And now it's another titanic physical struggle again, and I'm literally forcing her into the shower now. And I'm so physically getting her in there, and now I'm again performing the exorcism over her, and all these different voices are coming out of her, George. Voice after voice after voice. Sounds like it was worse than the first time. Yeah, and I had to bind and rebuke and cast out every one of them. And what I do is, when I do that, 
I ask God, Yahweh, to send his giant warrior angels to come and take those demons into custody and carry them off, because we have to be very careful about these things, because if we are binding and rebuking and casting out, sometimes they can jump out of a person and on or into somebody else. That's right. We have to be very, very careful about these things, so that's why I ask God, to send his angels to come and take them into custody and carry them off. Does this jump into another person have to be close by? Does this person have to be in the vicinity? It could be, or it could even go into another person's home. I mean, I've heard of all these types of things. So, I mean, it's, there's, there's no real, uh, wherever there's an opening, let's say, the devil will go. Wherever he can find a little crack in the doorway, uh, both he and his minions will go there. And so, after this, another titanic struggle, and we were in that shower for God knows how long, you know, I was in a suit, but I, I was totally soaked. I didn't care at that point. You know, my concern was certainly her and, and getting her delivered from all of that. And so, my final part of the plan was to get her out of the shower and get her over into the sucker tub to where I could do a fully immersed uh, baptism for her. And so, again, her husband was so upset by all of this. Oh, he, he must have been bouncing off the wall. Uh, he was he was terrified. And I asked him to, to come and, and run the water for the uh, for the tub. And, and then I knew it was going to be another struggle to get her from the shower into that tub, and sure enough, it was. Was he and, helpful at all, the husband? No, no, I didn't and think so. uh, but the their minister was there, and she was helpful to me in getting her over there. But uh, I bet she was there. freaking out, wasn't she? Yeah, yeah. oh, absolutely. Uh, this is something, George. That I mean, this would be something that you would see in like some kind of horror film or something. Oh, oh yeah, this is real. This was the real thing. And when a person is faced with the reality of something like this. You better hope you're ready for it, because, you know, again, I get these messages from people from time to time that say to me, oh, what you do is so cool, and uh, you have such a glamorous life, and I want to be like you, I want to do that, and I say to them in replies, no, you don't, because unless this is a calling from God, you don't want to come anywhere near a life like this. Now, I'm very thankful to God that he did call me to do this, but this is not for just anybody. Not at all. So you were able to at least exercise her? Were you able to, you know, get rid of this demon? Yeah, I got got her subdued enough, and and I'm being very brief in what I'm telling you, because we'd be the whole show if I told you everything that took place, but uh, I'm trying to condense. But I I got her finally uh, physically struggling again from the shower into the soaker tub. Now, as I'm and literally had to force her in there, got her in there, and so it's the same thing again now. More voices coming out, um, and then more demonic voices as well, uh, explicatives and, you know, calling me names and this and that. And So I'm totally unwavered, and another thing that I don't do is I do not engage in conversation or dialogue with demons. The only dialogue I have 
is taking power and authority over them. So when they try to talk to me, I will yell, be silent, you know, and I'm mm, taking right. power and authority right. over yeah. them. You're not conversing never with in, them. You're dictating yeah, things. Georgia never engage in conversation with a demon because they're liars. Do you think you're going to have a, an honest discussion and conversation mm. with a demon? You think you're going to get the truth from them? Yeah, no way. And, and so, you know, I finally get her in there, and at this point, as all these voices are coming out, I'm still binding and rebuking and casting out. And I'm saying to her, and I'm calling her by her name now, I'm saying, I need you to hear me. God is doing his part for you. I'm doing my part as an agent for God. Now I need you to do your part. I want you to hear me. I know you want to be free from this. And you are going to be free from this. And the more I talked to her in that way, George, I could feel the grip of the devil loosening off of her. And then it became acts of desperation. You know, as I've said this, then these other voices would manifest and threaten me and all these kind of things. And then I would take power and authority over that, tell them to be silent, and then bind them, rebuke and cast them out. And again, to make a very long story short, or shorter, uh, I was eventually able to get her fully immersed. And so once I completed the exorcism deliverance part over her, then I went right into the baptism. And so baptism is very necessary when a person has come under this type of attack because the baptism is the final covenant with God and the final blessing and cleansing and purification process of this whole thing. So after it's over with, the person starts a brand new chapter, a brand new season in their life with a clean slate, you know, and so then they become blessed, sealed, sanctified, purified, cleansed, and made holy before God. And that's exactly what happened here. And George, just imagine if you saw uh, someone grab someone by the shirt collar and suppose they had that person up against the wall, and they were grabbing their their collar so hard that the person you know was up on their tippy toes. That's exactly Jeez. what it's like when a person is let go from demonic forces. So once the uh, the uh, the baptism was completed, that's exactly what happened when I pulled her up from being under the water. I could literally see and feel them let her go. Are you, and then she started to cry. Do you have a cross with you, holy water? Yeah. Do you use that? Yes, I do. Uh, and I use a combination of holy water, holy oil, and holy salt. And I also have a spray bottle that I uh, put a mix of that in there as well. So uh, I use all those things. And, and of course, my, my most important and greatest weapon uh, and the great the power is the power from God and the blessing from God and the anointing from God. And I thank him and praise him for that. So without that, you, know, you couldn't do this, could you? Forget it. No way. No. There is no way. So I'm overjoyed to tell you that, you know, she's gone on to have peace and she's doing very well. And I praise God for that. No relapses. No. And thank God for that. And so it's the greatest thing for me in the world. I can't, describe to you in words how good it feels for me in knowing 
that God actually worked through me to take that from a person, and then their life is changed for the better, and they go on to have a quality of life. What happened, Bill, in her life for her to let her guard down for this demon to be able to possess her in the first place? Well, I, I have to be very careful in what I reveal, and I will say this, that in her childhood, from a very young age, she was abused beyond oh, imagination. God. Just the things that she told me. Yeah, you don't even have to go into that. Horrific, George. The worst that I've ever heard. But wh- of why, why does abuse and things like that allow a demon to enter the body? Because of the trauma, so the high levels of trauma that are carried out you know, through these types of mm-hmm. high wicked acts, it releases those secretions in the adrenal glands and the pineal gland. And, you know, you've heard about adrenochrome and all that kind of stuff. Oh, well, yeah. I believe it's very real, and I believe that demons are drawn to it like candy. They're magnets. Yeah. And so that's what happens, unfortunately, is when a person, you know, has those types of uh, traumas, on that level, you know, now they're marked, and now it's attached to them. Bill. And they must do something about it. Listen to more Coast to Coast AM every weeknight at 1 a.m. Eastern, and go to coasttocoastam.com for more.